0: Welcome into the Leadership Legacy Podcast, where we interview influential leaders who learn the why and how they turn their passions into progress that set them on the path to leaving their legacy. Welcome to another special edition of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. This is episode number twenty-seven. We're looking back at some of our favorite episodes from season one. This week we go back to episode number eighteen with Ron Anders, who is currently campaigning for the mayor of Auburn position, with runoff scheduled to happen in October. So let's take a listen to see what Ron has to say about about his life, about the passions he has, about the plans that he has for Auburn, and how he sees uh, the city of Auburn, Alabama growing in the future. Welcome to the Leadership Legacy podcast. I have the honor of sitting down with Mayor Pro Tem and current Auburn City Councilman Ron Anders, Jr. Ron, thanks so much for joining me today. Glad to be here today. Thank you for having me, Tony. Absolutely. Ron, tell us a little bit about your story. Where did you grow up?
1: Well, it's, a, it's not a real glamorous story. Okay. I, I moved to Auburn when I was one. Okay. Um, my granddad uh, was in the bookstore business for many years and uh, was in downtown Montgomery selling books to uh, all the children that went to the city school system in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And in the mid-60s, the state legislature decided to change that and started providing the textbooks for the children for the school systems. And that essentially put him out of business And so he looked around and thought about, I like this industry, this is what I want to keep doing, so I've got to get back in the college end of this business, and where can we go? And he decided to move the family to Auburn. My dad had been a recent graduate of Huntington University where he played baseball and graduated with an accounting degree and had been out in the corporate world for a year when my granddad made this decision. So we were, my family was living in Savannah, Georgia, I was a baby, and... Uh, my dad made the determination to move to auburn and start a business with his father and so andrew's bookstore opened in january of 1966 i would have turned two that year and uh and so i was blessed with the opportunity to grow up in auburn really from 18 months till as i sit with you today this has been my hometown and i feel very fortunate for that it was a different and unique place in the 70s and 80s and it certainly is today but it was still special and wonderful and had great friends and just great experiences. primarily being around downtown Auburn and the campus um, we would just my brother and I would just be at, be at our family's business a lot after school and on weekends and and my parents allowed us the freedom to kind of wander around downtown so we drank a lot of lemonade and ate a lot of ice cream cone. Bar uh, ice cream cones and went over to campus and played football in Sanford Park and oh, wow. middled around. So it was a great, wonderful experience. But I've been in Auburn all my life.
0: Going back maybe to when you were in college at Auburn, um, as I was researching, you were the mic man <laughs> the um, mic during man? a pretty impressive, uh, impressive year there in '86.
1: Yeah, well, it was a uh, that was a great opportunity and it's uh, and it's no different than really city government or working in a nonprofit. profit. You're being a part of something that's bigger than yourself and mm-hmm. you're and you're trying to get people to yeah. gather around and, and, and cast and join a vision that helps to the bigger cause. Mm-hmm. And so cheerleading was that for me. I'd mm-hmm. been an athlete in high school and was looking for an outlet to to continue to stay involved in athletics and you know, because of a couple of attorney brothers they introduced the idea of being a cheerleader to me and I was fortunate enough to be selected twice in my second year I was selected as the head cheerleader and got to be the mic man which meant I had the microphone in the middle of the field before the game and in front of the student section during the game and that was the year Bo Jackson in the Heisman yeah. Trophy and it was a very exciting time at Auburn. Coach Dyer really changed the mindset for Auburn people who had really been worn out of a decade of losing and he brought confidence back to Auburn folks and Even though we didn't beat Alabama that year, there was a long field goal kicked on the last play of the game that that beat the Tigers. But the cheering during the Bo Jackson times at Auburn and being a part of Coach Dye's program and even Coach Smith's basketball program, which Mm -hmm. my two years of being a cheerleader, we went to the – won the SEC tournament one year, went to the Sweet 16, and then the next year went to the Elite Eight and came within a whisker of going to the Final Four. Uh, Just great experiences to be around the athletes, the coaches, to see them as real people. Mm-hmm. not as figures that wear uniforms or that are on TV, but to know who they really are as, as men and women um, was a great opportunity. And it was just a great chance to meet other people on campus and be a part of the fabric that makes Auburn special.
0: Well, when you graduated from from Auburn, you went into the banking business for a little bit, but then you came back to, to I Auburn. I did.
1: So, you know, as, as a lot of kids that grow up in Auburn, they, they want to make sure that if they're going to stay in Auburn for most of their life, it's the right decision. So... Mm-hmm the determination was made for for me to, to go to Birmingham and see another side of the world because I only had one perspective. And so I did go to Birmingham, work for South Trust Bank for a year and then I worked for a financial planning company, First Financial Group for a year and a half and and much like my grandfather did with my dad when he drove to Savannah one day and said, son, if you'd like to go into business with me, now's the time. My dad repeated that um, in the summer of 1989 and came to Birmingham and said, look, if you're ready to come home and work with me in the business, now's the time and here are the reasons. And so I took him up on the offer. It wasn't real hard. He didn't have to convince me very long. <laughs> And so I moved. I graduated from Auburn in 1986, and uh, December of '86, and I moved back to Auburn over the summer of 1989.
0: And you've been here ever since.
1: And I've been here ever since.
0: You've had a lot of interesting things go on in your life, um, not only from you know working in the bookstore for a while, but former president of the Auburn Chamber of Commerce, um, and now you're the city council member for Ward Two. You've been that since uh, 2012, right? Correct. Um, and now you're running for mayor. So tell us a little bit about the campaign slogan, let's do this together.
1: Yeah, well, sure, Tony. Well, all of what you referred to is just part of the journey to where we are today. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be where I am today without all those experiences that I had uh, really all of my life, but particularly when I moved home in 1989, the things I was afforded to do within my family's small business and within the community at large. But let's do this together as a... Uh, I, I can't I can't take credit for creating that slogan because Bruce Pearl used that when he moved to Auburn and took mm-hmm. over as basketball coach and our team thought that it worked for Bruce and that's the same message. Yeah, we do have a fractured population right now. We have people that um, believe one thing on one side of the issues and believe another thing on the other side of the issues. We do need some healing as a community to come together and how we make decisions and we need to change how we debate and and try to bring some civility back to the debate Mm -hmm. Um, but I really feel like at the end of the day that if we all come together as a community that we try to make our decisions through much discourse and much transparent communication and much civil debate that we'll be a better community because of those methods. And so it's going to take a little more work because we're going to have to be more thoughtful about some of the bigger decisions we make, and, and and how we present those to the community, and how we allow the community to weigh in on those decisions. But it's a it's time for Auburn to come together. The stakes are very high. The community's got a great opportunity now to be to take its to take its style of living to another level. Yeah. And we can't do that if we're pulling against each other. We've got to do it if we pull together. And I'm a big tent kind of guy. I respect everybody. I love perspectives that are different. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to listen to people. And so let's do this together just is really who I am as a leader and who our campaign wants to – what we want our campaign to be about uh, as we operate this summer.
0: I think that's one, one, one of the things that as a, as a citizen of Auburn that I've loved – and just been proud to be a citizen of Auburn is just how well the city council has worked together, and uh, I appreciate your service there. Um, I know that, like you said, there are a lot of things happening in Auburn. A lot of people don't want it to grow, but a lot of people want it to grow, and I talked with with a, a person who is familiar with a lot of the developments going on, and it's like, you know, if if we don't grow, we die. And so, you know, how, how do we as a city, you know, grow and become, come stronger together I think that I think your campaign slogan is is perfect for that
1: well we did put a lot of thought into it and um, it just seemed the timing timing is everything on these on on your slogans and your campaign and for where Auburn is right now and what Auburn's been through and where Auburn needs to go it's the right message
0: what's the hardest thing do you think that the mayor's office and the city council are going to have to deal with over the next five to ten years
1: It'll continue to be the growth without question. And and how do we grow and why do we grow? Auburn has been discovered. It's, it's no more just people wanting to come here for the school system. It's no more just people who went to college here but want to retire here. Now it's Auburn's a great place to live. Mm-hmm. Auburn's a great place to do business. So you're seeing, we're starting to see, and you can see as you – if you were to meet your neighbors up and down the street, that folks are coming to Auburn for many, a myriad of reasons now. They might primarily work in and out of Atlanta, but they live in Auburn. And so how do we want to grow and how big do we want to be will continue to be decisions that we'll have to methodically go through and have policy on and have a vision for. um, We've done a lot of planning. Our planning department has worked overtime with our planning commission to establish what they think is an optimal boundary for Auburn to grow to. Mm -hmm. Um, We have done a comp plan that that looks at land uses until the year 2030 that was decided upon by a thorough study of uh, a consultant, the Planning Commission, and the community. We have done a downtown master plan that once again used a consultant, the Planning Commission, and the community to try to create a vision for the future of Auburn. Mm -hmm. And even with all those documents in place, Tony, there are sometimes things come up that make you think, is what the document says the right way to go here. And so we've got to continue to have methodical questions. But the when it comes to growth, do we have the resources the infrastructure to support the growth? Because when people move to Auburn, they're coming here, they're excited, they're coming here, but they think that all the roads should be good and there should be a desk for their child in a classroom and there should be a place for their child on the ball fields or on the courts. Yeah. And there should be enough policemen that if something happens, there's somebody's gonna get to them or a fire truck can get to them in time and that their water is going to be good and clean and powerful when it comes through their spigot. Yeah. And we've got to be able to keep up with all that as we allow homes to be built and people to, be, people to move to Auburn. So we're not the federal government. We don't have the ability to build walls. Mm-mm. We have to have strategy and, and a philosophy, and we'll continue to have to, to evaluate that. Downtown Auburn. What is downtown Auburn going to look like in 20 years? We have just gone through a very arduous uh, discussion and debate about the height of the buildings in downtown Auburn, Mm -hmm. and those kind of discussions are going to continue to come before us because the investment and opportunity in downtown Auburn is so great that the resources are going to show up and knock on our door that says, we'd like to do something here in downtown Auburn, and this is what we can do, which for somebody who grew up here and lived here all his life, Those kind of resources were not available locally, but you're starting to see people from a national perspective that think Auburn's a great place to do business. We're going to build this in Auburn, and we want to put this business in Auburn. We want to put this store or this Mm -hmm. restaurant in Auburn. And that wasn't the case 10, 15 years ago, but now we're a regional destination. People want to be here and be a part of our community. And so we will continue to have to be very vigilant and methodical and thoughtful about how we go about making those decisions, but growth without question will continue to, that will continue to drive our deepest discussions as a elected
0: body. What drives you as a person uh, to get up every morning and, and just to hit the ground running, not only uh, to you know, lead your family, but to, you know, to, to try to do your best to, to lead the city and, um, and, and do your part?
1: Well, for me personally, it all goes back to my faith my faith is my the driving force in my life and um, I feel called by God to do the things I've, I've, I've done and I participate in including this opportunity to run for the mayor of Auburn and so my thankfulness uh, and gratitude towards my creator my thankfulness and gratitude towards my wife and my children my thankfulness and my gratitude towards my community and its people drives me every day to make it better than it was the day before and, and that is why I get up every morning thankfulness to my Creator and my family for loving me and providing for me but as an opportunity to serve those who have done so much for me and who continue to make this place a special place that's why I get up and do what I do um, I do believe that God's given me a servant's spirit and a servant's heart and, and I truly get excited about trying to help people figure things out and making their lives better.
0: Principles. You talked about your faith there, and, and that a lot of times that, that's, a, that's a strong principle that people use um, and, and kind of go back to. But what principles have helped you personally that have maybe transferred into into business?
1: Treating people the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my granddaddy, uh, I can remember back in the day when I first came to work at the store, and there were no cell phones in those days, and there was no Internet. And so your customers either walked in off the street or they called you on your regular hard line. Uh-huh. My granddaddy lectured me one time about the most – because I was – there was two customers in front of me. I walked away from them to answer a phone call. And he made it clear to me, and it was so special to be able to work for many years with my grandfather, not only my mom and dad, but my granddaddy. But he, he lectured me that, son, the most important person in this store is the person standing right in front of you. person on the phone, we can take a message and call them back later. But somebody's taking their time to get in their car, Are to leave what they're doing to walk into your business and ask you a question or buy something from you. And it's your responsibility to give them your undivided attention. Mm -hmm. And so treating people the right way has been a philosophy that I've watched in a small family business where it was very competitive. And our customers, if they were not happy with how they were treated uh, in our presentation, our prices, all they had to do was walk out the door and within a minute, they were in one of our competitor's building. And so we had to be, we had to be ready to go every day. We were unemployed every day until we went to that store and and got and opened the front door and allowed people in. And that's how we looked at it. So treating people the right way and going beyond the nature of what your job is to get the job done, um, that's, what, that's the beautiful thing of a small business experience. Because uh, all you can count on is what you bring in. Um, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Um, it's all there right in front of you. You have to make hard decisions uh, many times, but a lot of times you get to celebrate at the highest level when what you have done is, has been has come to fruition. And I think that plays right into being a leader of this community. Mm-hmm. Um, treating people the right way is the only way to do things. And, Tony, that's not just telling them yes every time they ask you a question. That's telling them no in a respectful, meaningful manner that they understand where you're coming from and why you said that and that you Mm -hmm. took the time to be very considerate of the fact that they have a desire that you might not agree with or you can't support a vote for but instead of just giving them a no, you've taken the time to try to tell them what your perspective is. Uh, It's making sure that our city has the very best customer service that it could possibly have, so when it interfaces with our community that we're being respectful to those in our community and we're listening to the needs of our customers who are our citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's really the business practices, appreciating money. When you're in a small business, you have to make a lot of decisions sometimes based on what your checking account looks like and what your resources are. And sometimes those decisions impact whether you get paid or not. And so valuing the taxpayer's resources, that is one of the primary jobs we have as a city. We have two primary jobs. We're there to protect, provide protection for people. And we're there to spend the money that they have created in the best manner possible to provide services to them. Mm -hmm. And so having a customer service mentality, having treating others the right way mentality I believe, Tony, is a perfect fit for leading a city, and that all comes from working in a small
0: family business. Yeah. It's, it's all about the people. It's all about the personal connection. Um, that, what your granddaddy said, you know, the most important person is the person right in front of you. They may not be right, but you're going to treat them as, you know, as respectfully as you can. But what does the word failure mean to you? A lot of people, you know, kind of hang on that. A lot of people use it for a stepping stone. What's it mean to you?
1: Well, I think challenges are opportunities and failures are opportunities. We all know this, is that when things are going well, we generally don't learn lessons or improve. Mm -hmm. But when things are difficult, we learn from those difficulties. And personally, from an introspective standpoint, we generally improve from those difficulties Mm -hmm. if you're not a quitter. Failure cannot be looked at, and I don't look at failure as being all-encompassing and life-ending. To me, it's a step along the road and it's an opportunity. And we have to look at those things as opportunities. So from leading a city's perspective, not everything is going to go well all the time. As a leader, you're not always going to make the right decision, but you better have tried hard and prayed through it. Um, And the important thing for all of it, as a small business person, as a father, as a youth athletic coach, there are going to be times where mistakes are made and you fail. And the important thing is not that you fail because everybody fails. The important things what you do afterwards, Tony. Yeah. And if it if it makes you more motivated, if you learn that lesson, if you're if you're humble enough to learn the lesson that was taught you, then I think it's a great opportunity to be stronger and
0: better as you move forward in life. When you're looking for somebody to come on to help in the campaign or you're looking for assistance to work with you uh, in a business, what are some of the what are some of the things that you look for in, in somebody that you're going to work with you're going to hide? Trust,
1: without question, is probably the biggest. Uh, if you're going to run a campaign, if you're going to work in a business, you've got to have complete trust in those people that the things they're going to know and the things they're going to understand that are proprietary um, are going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationship that you build is not going to be harmed um, by a lack of trust or harmed by... A message that gets twisted or a, uh, an angle that is not in conjunction with what you're trying to do or trying to lead. All the people there on my campaign, the primary reason all of them are there, and I've told them that in our first meeting, is I trust all of y'all. And I know that you have Auburn's best interest at heart and me and my family's best interest at heart. And I know the things we talk about from a strategy standpoint in this room are not going anywhere. Yeah. And so that's, that's the primary reason you're all here. So trust is... a uh, is big for me, Tony, and I would say the other thing is finding people who are different from you and smarter than you. It's a, a good leader doesn't assign a bunch of folks that nod their head at them all the time. You better find people that challenge you, that help you think differently, and help you think in a more efficient manner, and help you make better decisions. And, and don't be afraid to bring really smart people around you, or people that have different ideas than you. To me, it's, it's bringing smart people around you, people that are different than you, and it's folks that thought and ultimately either one of those they've got to be covered by the label of trust
0: mm-hmm. that's that's so important that's you know something that not being afraid to bring people that are smarter than you that you know they're not gonna take your job they're there to work with you uh, that's an interesting perspective uh, what's been the hardest thing for you so far in being a city council member who is now running for mayor
1: well, it certainly is, a, it creates an overlap that's a little awkward when mm-hmm. you're still serving on the city council, still making those bi weekly decisions for your ward, you're mm-hmm. still answering the calls of the citizens in your ward when there's specific needs, mm-hmm. but you're sending a message to the community that's more global and widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just awkward, it's not a problem, it's just an, it's just an awkward time and it's natural mm-hmm. to, to what's happened, Bill Hamm faced the same thing in 1998. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get through it uh, because I still will if I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to, to be successful. The, the new council does not take over until November. So I'll still be the Ward 2 City Council rep through the end of October. But, um but it's, you know, it is what it is. When people need you, they're going to let you know that. And, and my job ultimately, and first and foremost, is to serve the citizens of my ward. That comes before my campaign. That comes before any campaign events. That comes before any campaign meetings. Because that's what I'm assigned to do right now through the end of October.
0: What's your advice to someone wanting to run for city government?
1: Primarily, you got to have a selfless spirit. If you're doing this because you have an agenda, don't do it. Because you won't last very long we have to make so many decisions that are granular, we have to make so many decisions that are unique to, to itself, that if you're only there because you wanna solve one problem, then you won't make it very long and you'll become disinterested and you won't be a good servant of the people. Mm-hmm. So truly, you've gotta look in the mirror, check your heart, and ask yourself, why do I wanna do this? Mm-hmm. And if you're about really serving people, then it could be a good fit for you. Um, I would ask those do you like to handle problems? Because your primary job as a city council representative would be to listen to your constituents and help them figure solutions out through, through circumstances in their life that are difficult. Yeah. Some people, I for instance, get a lot of energy from doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Some people might see that as a nuisance. Some people might be good at that on Monday and Tuesday, but by Thursday and Friday they're tired of it and don't want to receive any call. The fact is, is a city council rep or a mayor is going to have a cell phone listed. They're going to have an email listed, and they can't blow off the people when they contact them.
0: Exactly, because those are the, those are the people that put you there.
1: They deserve a response. Maybe not mm-hmm. immediately, but they deserve a response. And so being being a selfless person is and not agenda-driven is very important. Being somebody who's willing to help people solve problems. And then I think at the end of the day, you got to look at your time what is your job and your family situation do you have the time not only to go to the meetings every other Tuesday but do you have the job to meet with that constituent who's having a real problem for coffee one day or 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 go over to their house after you get off work that night before you go home and walk around their yard and see what might be going on that's created a problem for them or or have a constituent meeting one night after after supper where you you know, at one of the city meeting rooms, you've invited this neighborhood in, or you go over to their clubhouse and you mm-hmm. listen to what's going on, and you've got to be available to do those kind of things. And some people have a lot of time to do that, and some people don't, Tony. And, and certainly, if you're running your own business and you're raising a family, there's more restraints on your time than if yeah. you're retired. Or if you're not married and don't have any children. And so, um, but I think the people that are running their own business and they're raising a family are great folks on the city council. They've just got to be have a very structured schedule and be able to justify yeah. the time because it does take time. And we have been, by and large, a very mayor dominated city government since Bill Hams being the mayor because he's passionate about what he does, he's good at what he does. And in the future, the city council is going to have to take more uh, ownership. Of the responsibility of running the city and I'm a real believer in team Mm -hmm. and uh, the team's got to have a leader but the Mm -hmm. team needs to operate as a team and focus as a team and so my vision of the future of Auburn City Council is that they will be more engaged and be more involved than having two City Council meetings a month that there'll be more things going on and so in my communication to people who have sought me out for council Mm -hmm. about running for City Council I've said to them Look, I believe in the future it's in Auburn's best interest for the city council to be more engaged, which means we won't meet to just meet, but we're going to need to do some things that create more meetings. And I'm going to ask you to be more involved in the communication to your constituents in your ward. Now, we'll certainly want everybody to do what they naturally feel comfortable doing, whether that's having a a one-on-one meeting or having a group meeting and it's in person or creating some type of electronic or social media a platform to communicate to their to their constituents, but our city council members, I, I believe, going forward, it's going to best serve our citizens if they have a more intentional outbound approach to
0: communicating with them. Well, we got one last question for you. Sure. Um, and this kind of wraps up everything that we've talked about. At the end of your life, when you look back on your family, your friends, the community here in Auburn, the people that have been a part of your life people that you've impacted, Mm -hmm. what do you want them to remember you by? And what does that legacy look like?
1: I hope that they will uh, be certain that my faith led my life. I would hope that they'd be certain that I loved my family and was devoted to my family. And I think in general, I I hope people will know that that's a guy who loved the people of Auburn. mm -hmm. And um, if they remember those three things, that will be enough for me.
0: Well, Ron... Thanks so much for your time this morning. We've got the municipal elections coming up uh, next month. August 28th. So good luck. Everybody get out and vote if you're here in the local area. Thank you, Tony. Uh, It's very important. important, Very important to exercise that right. Um, So, Ron, thanks again. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you having me. Hey, this is your host, Tony Orivet of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this past episode. It would mean the world to me if you would go and rate this podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. Show notes and information on today's guest are on leadershiplegacy.show.